Welcome to Passion to Power with your host, Michelle Zeitlin. She's a creative producer who quote-unquote wears many hats. She's also a talent and literary manager and founded the company Morzap Productions and Management. She develops people and projects across all media. Her guests encompass the gamut, from artists to authors, actors to activists, programming executives, development executives, and A&R. Michelle Zeitlin is excited to share her tips and tools for success through her conversations mostly via Zoom during quarantine. Please welcome Michelle Zeitlin, Passion to Power. Jason, as we embark into our interview, would you kind of give me a little bio, um, not the one that's on LinkedIn, but more, you know, your personal, <laughs> sure. your personal take on what you do because it's unique. So I want to hear more about what your life is about. So I'm born and raised here in LA. And um, I, I went to school in Colorado, spent some time in Spain. Uh, for all you 18 to 20 somethings, I definitely recommend studying abroad if you still have that option, because that was definitely a defining uh, experience for me. And, you know, I had always thought I was going to come back to LA and, and be in entertainment. Um, I have a brother who's 15 years older than me, who's been a very successful producer. And I always remembered that he seemed happy, he got to be creative, and he still was able to show up to his daughter's soccer game. And I said, that's a pretty good balance. And, and just growing up in LA, you know, one of my good friends, his dad was a longtime senior executive at Warner Brothers, and you just see it through different lenses and it seemed exciting. Um, so I, I began very stereotypically out of college, going from the fun of Boulder, Colorado to the assistant desk in Beverly Hills at ICM. And that was a very abrupt uh, chapter change, as I like to call it, going from college and kind of free thinking to the real world, literally. Um, and, and I got to say, you know, I did not like the job at all. Um, hang, stay with me, though, because I'm so grateful for it. I worked there for exactly 365 days. Yeah, you know, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. My brother very accurately said, you may not love it, but you're gonna learn a ton. And it was a starting point. I worked for a young agent at the time who represented writers, directors, producers. To his credit, he is one of the top executives at the company to this date and has stayed there. So it was a great lesson, but here's the good and the bad. The good was, I was just thrown into it. You, there's no business school class for entertainment. Um, you can go to acting class, you can go to film school, but you can't really go to business school for entertainment and especially not then. And so the best part of the job was I, everything was done over the phone and I got to listen in on everything. So I would, and it was, it was, there was a business design. I would take notes for my boss, but I also learned about pitching and negotiating and, and gossip and, and how you communicate effectively or ineffectively when you didn't get what you wanted. And, and I think that was so valuable to me. And I take those tactics and skills with me. And I also, when I've had assistance in my career, I include them in what I'm doing because I want that same exposure. Where it wasn't so great for me was a lot of the successful people were, seemed unhappy. 
whether the top agents or the top writers, they, I don't know if it was neuroses, they just didn't seem happy. And I'm like, if you're at the top and this is how you're acting, it didn't, it didn't appeal to me. And, and I don't think I was invested enough in some of the daily trials of some of these producers, directors. I remember one, I won't say his name, but he was making like 40,000 an episode. And every week he would call and yell and scream at me, where's my check? Where's my check? Which obviously I'm not the one who writes the check. And on my last day, when I went to say goodbye, I was like, I just want you to know that you yelled at me every week for your money and you made more in one week than I made all year. And I worked 70 hours a week. And it was just that kind of like the, the it's fine starting at the bottom, but there wasn't always a lot of appreciation. There, there were some that were so grateful, but, but again, it just, I didn't see myself as an agent. I didn't see myself as a writer. So it wasn't right for me. So you didn't like being in the agent world. You didn't like being yelled at by bossy, obnoxious actors. You didn't like being around depressed and anxious agents. That makes a lot of sense. So what are you doing now? And what did you use from that experience to get to where you are now? Yeah, so fast forward, and we can talk about what happens in between at, at some point. I work at the Walt Disney Company. I'm the GM of the Disney Accelerator. That is part of our corporate innovation and venture group. And it's really a, an initiative to identify growth stage startups that are doing relevant, innovative things. Um, and through investment and access to business units and the decision makers, we help them foster uh, business development relationships between us and the business unit that makes the most sense. And so that, that is really about being a bridge between the startup community, the investment community and the Walt Disney Company and really collaborating with and empowering our business units to potentially find new companies, new technologies that can help bolster their own goals and the businesses that they run so effectively. That was very nicely stated. So here coming from a novice or someone that doesn't really know that world, what does that entail? What kind of businesses, when you say startups, is this kind of outside of the content creation that Disney usually focuses on? Yes, it's a good point of distinction. We're not looking for kind of digital content companies. We have so many great storytelling experts at the company. We're focused on technology. And if you really stop and think about the Walt Disney Company over the years, technology has been such a huge fabric in our success, whether it was the, you know, the multi-plane camera from the animation in the beginning to the animatronics you see at rides like Pirates of the Caribbean. Obviously, um, we have amazing technology that powers our Disney Plus product and ESPN and, and Hulu. So technology has been at the heart of it. I think what we're trying to do is help identify that next great technology that's going to empower and push forward our business. And we, we do that by working closely with the business units and to better understand what's important to them, what they're trying to achieve, and to bring them into the conversation. I'm not about to pretend that I know everything that ESPN or the park and resorts team need. So I do a lot of listening. And then we go out and we try and find companies that are at a stage where they're not completely new, but they're not public companies either. You know, they're kind of on their way up. They have a product market fit. They have some money in the bank. We're not their first customer. And they're at a, they're at a maturity level where they can actually successfully execute with a company like ours. 
I have a colleague who works at Google and it sounds kind of similar. She's at the very top and basically different technology companies pitch to Google to be under their umbrella supported by them. Is that similar to what you do? You know, the yes and no. The the business units have their own relationships with big tech companies and 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 we don't really they don't really need our support there. I think what we're trying to find out is the kind of the next big tech company and is there an AI company or a VR company or a marketing technology that can help one or more of our business units be successful and get them exposed to it. Um, sooner than later, so they can they can at least be aware of what's out there, but at best, hopefully use them for, for positive means. And what I love about that, because the part in between my job now and ICM is a lot of startup experience. And so what I loved about this job was the opportunity to help both the startup founders and team. And it's often very hard to get into big companies like Disney and be successful, but also be a support to these amazing uh, seasoned leaders around this company that just frankly are so busy with everything else they have to do that if we can be you know, a branch to help them understand and create opportunities, everybody wins. Why you, how did you get this job? Oh, you'll have to ask my boss. I can make some conjectures. So I've worked throughout entertainment and technology in my career. So very briefly after ICM, I went to work for um, a man who was the vice chairman of E at one point, ran TV packaging at William Morris and put together Roseanne and Murphy Brown and Cosby show. And he was jumping into kind of, you know, dot-com 1.0. And I, we worked together for a few years, did some startups that, you know, didn't, didn't go the way we wanted. But again, at that age, I'm learning. And so my advice often to a lot of younger people starting out their careers is what I love about startups is they're typically understaffed, which means it's a lot of work, but then you get your hands dirty and exposed to so much stuff at once. And he was great in kind of letting me just get into it, even though we, we didn't end up being successful. But then I went to HBO and their new business development group. Then I launched video at MySpace when that was something to brag about. And then I went on to a live video platform that IBM bought. And then the last uh, eight years prior to my time at Disney, because I joined Disney in January, 2020, was this amazing company called Zephyr here in Los Angeles, where I was the chief business officer. And, and we did two things. The, the business I ran was we had a video identification technology and so we worked with big platforms like YouTube and Facebook, as well as major media companies like the studios, music labels, and sports leagues. So when a user would upload a video from, say, their favorite movie scene, or used a song from their favorite artist, or a highlight from their favorite basketball team, our technology would actually identify it and help them monetize it or take it down if they deem it to be piracy. All that to say, I've spent a lot of time in both startups and media companies. And when I was at the startups, often these entertainment companies like Disney were our customer. So I think I had a good understanding of entrepreneurialism, but also what needs to happen to get enterprise deals done with a company as big and successful as ours. And so I think that that kind of both sides of the, the track was, was likely what was the difference maker.
Good advice. So I have um, questions about the actual work you do and getting a little more clarity. So you had this introduction into entertainment. What did you actually go to school for in Boulder? So I went to school to get away from home. Um, now, you know, truthfully, I was an English and film major. And I'm going to give a, a shout out to English majors out there because the need to be able to communicate effectively is super important right now. And all the writing, all the essays really helped me on email. But equally, as any of you know, you'd write an essay, you'd write a poem, and then you'd sit in a room with 20 people and they just rip you to shreds and constructively critique you, as they used to say. But getting thick skin's important too. So that major was very valuable to me. Um, being away from home, being on my own, being in a different place was equally, you know, I went to school not knowing anyone. And so I got over that hump and I'm like, oh, I can go by myself. And then I studied abroad in Madrid and didn't know anyone. And I'm like, oh, I can do that by myself. And it just kept giving me those, those steps. And I think that's why it's been easier for me to jump from a job to another job if I'm not happy, because I've had the experience of starting over, of trying something new and, and having it work out. And so, but it started way back then when, when I look back. So that's why I went to, that's why I went to school. And again, I was thinking I wanted to be a producer and come back home. I love Boulder and it, it represents such, a, <laughs> such adventure. Um, so on any given day, now, now that we're all working remotely, because it's, you started January, 2020. So were you ever in an office or did you? <laughs> I, I was for about eight weeks. I was joking with a lot of my colleagues, again, a lot who have been here for a while. I haven't met most of them in person. So it was about eight weeks and then, you know, we had to work remotely. And so a, a lot of the day is on Zoom, like everyone else, um, meeting. I kind of equated a little bit to kind of the producer that's trying to staff a show to kind of bring an entertainment analogy. So investors or other people are coming and pitching their investments like an agent would pitch a writer or an actor. And so a lot of it is getting to meet these amazing founders and these sharp VCs uh, and learn about the company and, and see demonstrations and try and figure out if what they're doing could be relevant to one or more areas of our business. And if so, connect those people to the areas of the business that it could work and see if they agree. Um, so there's a lot of that. And I think I love that. I love meeting people. I love learning about new companies, even if they're not ready for us, even if they're not a right fit, it's just good to understand what drives people because to start a company is super hard. You've got to really see the yes through the nose and suck it up and really have conviction. Um, I've never done it. I've often joined founders on their way up where they're like, hey, we're small, we need to get big, help us. And that's been a good place for me. But I always have admired those people who have said, you know what, I'm quitting my job. I'm going to give up a salary and just go for it. And something beyond money and fame drives them to be successful when they are successful. I love to surf. I didn't surf until we went on a baby moon and I took a lesson in Hawaii and I'd always loved the ocean and body surfed. And it's become more than just an exercise for me. It's, it's, there's, there's a spiritual piece to it. And so I, I think that now at this stage of my life, 
I sometimes enjoy some of the individual sports like a mountain biking, um, golf and swimming and surfing, but there's still camaraderie within that. It's just the kind of escape from the Zooms or the family or the work. Sometimes you just need some moments to yourself. And, and that's another thing, like don't be afraid to, to fall in love with you and be alone with you because I think that it all starts there and then it, it kind of concentric circles out to your relationships, your job, your family, your interests, all those things. But I, I needed to be good with me before things really started to take shape in my personal and professional life. And um, that's another one. I'm going to shout out to my brother, Howard, who told me, because again, he's 15 years older. He said, listen, your 20s, you either have a great relationship and your job sucks or your job's good and you're lonely, but that's who your 30s are for. And things start to come together. And I think that sometimes I, I meet, uh, you know, post-college uh, men and women in their 20s, and they're putting so much pressure on themselves to just have it all figured out. And you know, we've heard this all before, and sometimes you got to live it to believe it, but, you know, it's all part of it. It's all part of the path, and and don't be in a rush to finish the race, because I think, as we all know, when you look back, it's that journey that really is is equally as valuable, if not, if not more. I like your sports analogies. Oh, I've got a lot of them. You just, <laughs> just wait. When we're done, you're going to be like, oh, my God. You know, I developed a show, actually, I worked for Nike for 12 years and I direct, I developed a show called Champion Motivation and Emotion. I'm about to take it out of the drawer again, because it's perfect time now in, in the world of virtual. So we might have to talk about that, but it's full of sports analogies, yeah. business and sports analogies. They're a great parallel. Um, well, I was so you, never a good athlete, no? but I was really, I was a good teammate. That's what I've been told. I picked some of the wrong sports. I was the, you play? You know, the, the white Jewish kid and I was trying to play basketball. Big mistake in a public school. In LA, Are you tall? I'm tall for my family. <laughs> <laughs> you know, truthfully, I'm about 5'10", but my mom is 4'10", and my dad was 5'5". So I am wow, very pleased with how You're very big out. in your family. But on the basketball court, you know, uh, but I love being part of a team. And I think, you know, I have a six-year-old son now and I don't care if he's good at the sport. I just want him to play and be around other kids and learn about communication and teamwork because those skills definitely translate. So you're kind of in a risk factor kind of job, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it, it's funny. I was not looking to go to Disney. I wasn't looking to go to a company this big. But the fact that they had this role in this initiative was so appealing to me and so exciting because, you know, I don't have to tell you or any of your listeners, the, the magnitude of Disney's IP, physical attractions, you know, all this amazing stuff the company has done. But to be able to be in between that and these amazing founders and investors that are trying to reinvent the next version of entertainment, the next version of distribution, it's kind of fun. And, and I didn't really have any expectations. You know, someone I talked to about the role who had worked here, they said, what are your expectations? And I'm like, I don't have any. I just kind of want to see what happens and learn and, and contribute and have impact. That, that's kind of my thing is I want to work on things that I can take from here to here and want to feel like I'm making an impact when I'm doing it. And so being a small team allows you to do that for better or for worse. Um, I think we try and mitigate our risk by being smart, 
but yeah, there's always the chance you miss a company that we should have known about or something goes wrong. But, you know, in a world of green lighting content and creating new attractions, there's always that risk inherently too. I think we try and keep our risk profile strategic and as low as possible so the upside can be as big as possible. Okay, so this is really exciting. First of all, I have to just say something for those people who are listening and not looking at you, that I'm looking at your history, HBO, IBM, MySpace, the fact that you're old enough to have worked on MySpace when that was cool, means you look you're, you look so much younger than you actually are. So I'm guessing you're like mid to late 30s. I'm a little older than that, but I okay. love you. I love you even more. Okay. Uh, you know, know, I think though, the, the, the message there is twofold. One is, I think within two years of any job, you know, it's going well or not. And it doesn't mean that it's perfect, but you can see the opportunity, especially in startups. I think in the first 18 to 24 months, you can tell. And actually the last job, Zephyr, which was the best job I ever had for a, a lot of reasons. When I took that job, I said to my wife, I said, you know, look, it's either gonna be a year three at most. And I stayed eight. And part of it was we had a lot of success. Part of it was I was growing and being challenged. And a lot of it was I worked with great people. You know, our founders were family men. They built a great culture that attracted awesome people. And I really enjoyed the work. We were a we were a video SaaS company. It's not sexy when you say it like that, but when you bring that together with Google and Facebook and Warner Brothers and, and NFL and, and this amazing group of people, there were times when it didn't feel like a job. There were times when it absolutely did, but there were times when it didn't. And that's special and that's hard. And so when I didn't feel that, the previous job at the live video platform that was sold to IBM, and by the way, I never worked at IBM. The acquisition happened after I left. Like that experience was quite the opposite. And, and I didn't have a great experience. I, I think the founders were, were young and weren't willing to let go and, and trust other people. And so that didn't work out. And I didn't stay, I stayed like 20 months. Um, so I think you can, you can jump around when things aren't working out and sit tight when you feel like they are, because, you know, a lot of us have said this about Zephyr, but it's hard to recreate that. A lot of us have gone on to do awesome things, but we miss what we had put, put together and built both in terms of the business and the technology, but also the culture and the relationships. Yeah. So it sounds like it's a combination of business development and venture capital green lighting. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It is. Okay. Okay. I kind of get it now. Um, a lot of my colleagues at the time who are assistants have gone on to be top managers and done great things and, and they knew what they wanted. And I was still kind of trying to figure it out, but you know, one of my kernels here is, you know, jobs are like dating. You kind of have to have a few bad ones. So when the good one comes along, you can appreciate it. And as I, as I look backward, I have nothing but gratitude for that opportunity, getting the chance because um, I got a little help getting in and then I earned my way in. But even though it didn't turn out to be the best thing for me, it was still a, an awesome learning experience. And, you know, my boss, took a chance on a college kid who didn't really have a ton of experience. And, and I'll always be grateful for, for him doing that. And do you keep in touch with a particular agent? 
You know, I have lost touch a little bit, but there was a time where we would get together. You know, our paths have gone so directionally different um, that we haven't. But um, like I said, I I really do have a, a a lot of appreciation for how he just how he just allowed me to get thrown into the fire. Um, and I try and adapt that with people and startups and whatever my job is. It's like just get in there, get dirty. And you'll figure it out for better or for worse, but you, you can't, you know, when I go into the pool, I don't feel the water first. I just dive in. Are you hiring interns? We will be, we will be soon. Um, and uh, there are, there, they play, you know, this is going to be my first program with the company, but as it's been told to me, they play a pretty important role um, in what we do. And I, again, it's, it's just about exposure to figure out what you like and what you don't like. When I look back on all the jobs that we briefly touched on today, like I took something good from each of them, even if it was don't treat people like that and be more supportive and don't be so insecure. Um, it, go, it, it carries with me and I think it makes me a better executive, a better boss, a better husband, a better father, all those things play, play a part. I recently interviewed a CEO of a big international company, and he said he struggled in his early years with imposter syndrome and lack of confidence. And he says it still comes up and he's working with a sprawling universe. Yeah. You know, it's funny, since we're on this, I'm going to soapbox it a little longer. I didn't grow up with social media where so much was shared and expected to be shared. And, you know, I'm not posting on Instagram when I... I'm in a bad mood or I'm sick or I got in a fight with my wife. I don't think people need to hear that about me. And when I'm and I leave the beach or I'm at the top of a trail on a bike, I want to share because I'm happy. But people have to take social media with a grain of salt. I think it's it's amazing in so many ways. And but I also think that when I hear about the rise of insecurity and and, and depression amongst younger kids, I feel that they look and they think that's those people's lives. And and much like a reality TV show, we are editing a version of ourselves. I always joke, if you put me on a reality TV show where 20 minutes of my week, I could be the nicest person or probably the biggest a-hole, depending on what moments you captured. And so use it as an outlet, an opportunity, because a lot of people use it to build their businesses, to build their brand, but don't take it so seriously. And especially in the FOMO, trying to keep up with the Joneses, like that is a trap because a lot of those people who you think have the, the best, they're looking in the mirror at night and they're having a hard time with what they're seeing. So you gotta, you gotta balance it out, both good and bad and try and use it as a positive. And if it's overwhelming, get off, move on. That's to my future son. When he gets to that point, like I, the last thing I want is for him to be feeling insecure. But, but you know, look, overall, when you think about how these social platforms have helped with democracy, help reconnect friends and family, help people fall in love, like my wife and I help build businesses, the good so far outweighs the bad. It just seems like some of that negativity gets put under a microscope. I think you make a great point. I have a definite love-hate relationship with social media. And as I advise young people and even people reinventing themselves at different ages of their careers, I, I say, use it to your benefit, get the word out, get those fans. If you're looking to do advertising or marketing, but definitely take it with a grain of salt because I know myself, I mean, you know, which filter am I using today? 
right? Well, I would love for you to wind down with a couple, like we talked about, gold kernels, um, something that you could offer to the two pods. Let's start actually with the pivoting pod. Now they're all older than you because I yeah. know it. Um, but, you know, maybe there's some advice about the entrepreneurial state of mind. Yeah. You know, look, I think you've got to lean into new things, not let them overwhelm you or intimidate you, whether that is, you know, I taught my mom how to text and now she texts quite effectively, maybe too effectively, but she was willing to learn. And I think when you, when you hear about things or you see things, get curious, don't get scared because those tend to be the industries and businesses that become big and need to hire. And there could be opportunities for you, or they could be the things that enable you to start the business you've always wanted to. You know, you think of Shopify and how it's enabled e-commerce for so many small businesses, but without it, you know, it could be a lot harder because how do I figure out all the payment stuff? Oh, I'm too intimidated. I don't want to, or, you know, Squarespace with website design. So when you hear about new things, whether it's TikTok or NFTs or Bitcoin, learn about it, lean in, be curious, stay curious, because that, that can often lead you on the path to opportunities for yourself, but also looking in the right place to find the right next thing. Because that's a lot of what it is, is, you know, you, you can't surf waves in the desert, you know, you got to be, you got to be by the ocean. So um, that's the advice I give is to stay curious and to, to not let new things intimidate you. Yeah, I already got my slogan. Get curious. Don't get scared. There you go. It's Let's start awesome. a t-shirt company. We're starting a t-shirt company with waves. And uh, I, I use all kinds of analogies. In fact, my, my Gmail has wave in the name. So I'm, I'm with you about that. The ebb and flow of life. Okay. Now we're going to focus on those people coming out of college, maybe Boulder, maybe with an English degree. Yep. Let's talk about what you would tell them. Well, call me. If you, if you graduate from Boulder with an English degree, find me on LinkedIn, but just get a job, just get a job. I mentor the uh, uh, one student every couple of years. It's like a two-year program. And then it recycles at the business school at Colorado and I always say the same thing, just get a job, start somewhere, get the experience, learn what you like, what you don't like, don't overthink it. Some of your friends are going to think they have exactly their life figured out and they're going to go to Goldman Sachs and do the training program and someone else is going to do this and you may not be sure. Well, guess what? Not being sure is way more common than, than being sure, especially at that age. And it's just about, you know, getting the reps. You know, I want to meet someone that had a job here, had a job there. What did you learn? What did you take away from it, good or bad? Like I shared the story of my time at ICM. Like I didn't love it, but I have zero regrets and I took a lot from it. But I think you just got to get in there and not, not be so entitled, not be so sensitive, not be so full of yourself. Just take a job. I don't care if it's the company you love, if they're asking you to sweep the bathrooms, you do it and you smile. You know, one of my bosses always said that the, the, the security guard or the assistant today is the head of the company tomorrow. And you treat everyone with kindness, you treat everyone with respect, work hard, and don't think you're better than anyone. Just get in there and, and impress and work and, 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 and show impact and, and have people like you and be a team player because they, wanna, they will want to keep you around. They will want to promote you. But I, I, I talk to younger people and they seem to overanalyze that first or second job. And I think 
They just need to get in somewhere where they have an opportunity to learn and grow. Be curious. Be curious and be open. And you are, and you're fabulous. So um, how can people find out more about you? Do you share your surf photos on Instagram? How can people reach out? Sure. Uh, I'm big on LinkedIn. So if you look up Jason Kirk Disney, I'm sure you'll find me in search. I love to kind of wax poetic on things in business and team and, and stuff like that. And yeah, I believe my Instagram handle is Jason Kirk um, so I do like to share some pictures. I'm a little more private there, but LinkedIn is kind of where you get that. That's been the social platform that I've kind of found my voice the most because I do like to talk about things related to business and industry and find like-minded people. But um, yeah, that's probably the best place. All right, Jason, anything else? Parting words? I think that's it. Thank you so much, Michelle. I, I had a lot of fun and we'll do it again. Okay, you got it. Talk to you All soon. Right. Bye.